right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Bills Beat Podcast. However, you're joining us, whether it be on Apple Podcast, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, Matthew Fairburn of the Athletic. And of course, this is a very special episode because we're in the bye week. It's time to reflect a little bit. It's also time to introduce you to our co-host for the evening, Michael Partham, who uh, gave a very generous bit at Tim Graham's uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation charity event. Claps, snaps, whatever whatever you want to do. But uh, Michael, welcome to the pod. It is nice to be here, and I must say, here at Bar Elmo's, yes. I imagine it would be a much more pleasant aroma than that of the Jets, Jets press box last week. Yes, Hashtag Asper, Asper Press Man. Thank you for that, Matt. <laughs> he He's not came, wrong. He came to play. Tim, <laughs> luckily, was not there right. for his sake. And I was just about to say, Michael is, said we were in the namesake Elmo's, which is where he made that, that very bid. At Tim Graham's event, and we are also here with TG, the man who shut down the podcast in Indianapolis a few weeks ago. That's right. Did you ever get a blowback on that? He's uh, saying no pun new, intended. We, uh, we, 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 uh, yeah. It, I people there, noticed, people but there was noticed. no negative reactions. I right. see. Did right. nobody say any of the higher up say watch it? Uh, nope. I don't think anyone listens. Bosses? No, I don't, I don't think, think you understand. We are the higher ups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think anyone listens. <laughs> okay. No fans listen. It's fine. Good. It's fine. It's fine. So most people were well, happy I, with it. The children loved it. Yeah. They did. They, the potty mouth adults. They got to listen to the sports guys said bad words and things that I'm not supposed to think about, and that make me feel tingly, and I don't know why. Uh, Tim so Graham, everyone. I want to thank, and with that in mind, uh, make a wish. Uh, thank you, Michael, for your contribution. It was j- very generous. You did get bid up. Uh, you yeah, did have the uh, bartender here uh, could sense that I was a little too aggressive there, so he started competing with me. And uh, he actually, I, at one point, he asked me, "Do you have X amount of dollars?" And I said, "Yeah." And he just bid again. See, <laughs> so but wow. you rookie mistake. You could have stuck him with it. What a real I, I, a good I was thinking about that afterward. I was thinking I could just sit there and let you go, going once, going twice, and right? watch him sweat. You know, like in poker or whatever the heck. Yeah, maybe you need to work on your poker face. I will remember that. And just be a little more stoic. I don't know. But it was a great contribution to make a wish. Yeah, definitely. Help raise money and uh, helping sick kids fulfill dreams, really. To do something maybe might be the last great thing they get to do, and it relieves their family of a burden at least for a weekend or whatever. It gets their mind off of a serious issue. So um, thank you for doing that, Michael. It's my pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. and. And really, I mean, we, we could have went about this one of two ways. I mean, could have had, you know, Michael just have, like, you know, a little a little spot. But we were like, hey, whole kit and caboodle. Let's, let's put him in the third chair. Let's 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 see how... Uh, or fourth chair, depending yeah, on how Tim you rate them. decidedly in the fourth. Yeah, chair. he's he's very much in the fourth. Don't, don't, don't kid yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. All right, so uh, the Bills are on their bye week, of course. The... Uh, they coming off their 41 to 10 victory over the New York Jets, and uh, interestingly enough, their second straight game where the where a score of 41 was involved. That's that's kind of it was very nearly another 41 10 score before if the Bills had not chose to go for two. True, that's right. True. Yes, that was uh, closer to Scorigami with 41 to nine. However, but they they uh, you got to knock that short. off. What Scorigami? No, I refuse. It's not enjoyable. You're not enjoyable. 
tell me. The man has a point. Don't tell me my business. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me my business. I think we both have a strong point. (laughs) We just did. So the Bills are now into their bye week and presumably will be getting back Josh Allen because ESPN's Adam Schefter reported it. It seems as though he was close to playing against the, the New York Jets on Sunday and they opted to rest him. And now... He'll be back home, final six games of the season. Seemed like the way he was celebrating, the way he was throwing all week, it seemed like the elbow is there. He was giving elbow wraps or something. He had some uh, touchdown celebration with LaShawn McCoy in which he used his injured elbow. Yeah, Uh, very risky. Yeah, so he's got to be feeling okay. He also messed up the celebration. Did he? Pretty significantly. Because yeah. Shady was tweeting about it or something afterwards. He posted the video and was like, damn, rookies shaking my head. Yep. Something Hit him with the old life. SMH. <laughs> mm. have, you, have, have any of you, you used an SMH? I've been guilty of it once or twice. Tim, have you used an SMH? I'm sure I have. I try to reduce it, you know, make it. It's a, it's supposed to be a special thing where it's for a very special occasion. Wow. A really, like you're literally shaking your head. So you that's, don't do that's, iron- how, that's how I do it. You don't do it ironically? I feel like ironically is the, the way to go for a lot of people. I think doing a lot of things ironically is kind of dying out on social media. Ooh, that's a hot take. <laughs> I dig it. Coming through with it. I don't care. I had somebody in, the, in our business, in our industry, uh, remark to me during the... What was the last home game? Um, the Bears. The Bears. Um, why aren't you? Are you okay? Because and it was like an actual checking in on me. Are you okay? I noticed you're not tweeting during the game, <laughs> and it dawned on me that I haven't been tweeting during the games hardly at all. And I think I've kind of lost interest in. I don't know why. Maybe it's I want to say if I have a good one liner, I want to save it right. for my story or a, a good stat. Why throw it away on Twitter when I should save it for my story? But I noticed, sure. yeah, I just end up, I'm just watching the game. I'm not tweeting nearly as much as I did anymore. Is tweeting just becoming? Uh, I don't think. Are we, as have much we, are we moving on from tweeting? To. I think you're getting a sense of you know, quality over quantity because at least three or four other you know Bills beat reporters out there are pretty much uh, tweeting every play as it yeah. goes one, one at a time, and yeah, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle if you just say. keep tweeting. Yeah, yeah you, you have to do something that stands out from the crowd a little bit because you could say, oh, Bills can. Converted on, fir- on third down, it's like, well, right. if you look back in ten hours at that tweet, it's like, okay, why? What's give me give me some something so, extra, something to, to make it. fun of, something to make fun of, or something like Super an observation astute. from the right, exactly, astute or funny, yeah. one or the other, or you're being an ass hat, one of the three. <laughs> when we were in Indianapolis, and I'm tweeting and Fun I'm looking through my say, binoculars. In Indianapolis. In Indianapolis. It's, in Indianapolis. Indi- it's hard. You I said in Indianapolis. <laughs> right. And I have in, in Indianapolis. I've only been drinking a little bit. Um, <laughs> I was looking through my binoculars at Brian Dable on the sideline mm-hmm. and it was the first game on the sideline and I said, hey look, it's Brian Dable down there and I didn't even tweet it because it was like uh-huh. other people tweeted like as Tim Graham just mentioned here in the press box. I, I didn't think to tweet it. 
I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because but in my role. But then you did tweet when Nathan Peterman was warming up. I did. <laughs> yeah, you I did. Quite a firestorm. I did. I got excited. I think because I was like, man, I should have tweeted that Dable thing. And now Peterman warming up uh, and turned then, into a thing. And then Rodak jumped on the grenade as well. And then he, he was just like, oh, God. I believe he deleted it. But, but I no, I had three. I I deleted one of the three no, tweets. No, not, not you, him. Oh, he deleted his I believe tweet. he did. I tweeted it something like "It's happening" or something like that. I may have deleted, but I left in there that he was warming up, that he had his helmet on, that Derek Anderson had his ball cap on. All the signs were there. That right. Peterman, I, I'm gonna stand by my. It happened. It was accurate. My tweets were accurate. Well, but misleading. You brought up Nathan Peterman, and this is the first time we're conversing since he has been released, and so excommunicated. Yes. Yes. And uh, such. Also, so um, he. Just cleared off the island. He cleared waivers today. Is now a free agent, uh, able to sign with any team on the active roster or practice squad, which includes the Bills. My question is, do they even think about bringing him back? Because I'm not sure that they do. I have sources telling me that they're not. Really? Just in the sen- in the span of my radio show ending an hour ago and this show beginning, mm-hmm. in which we talked about it on my radio show, right. which is now obsolete. Don't even bother listening to it. <laughs> Nothing interesting happened on my show today. Yeah. Um, but we did talk about I wondered, would they bring him back? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, in the time it took me to get here, I'm being told that uh, they're not bringing him back. Yeah. Uh, that it is better for him if he gets a fresh start somewhere else. Yeah, which which makes sense because... So that kills that topic. Well, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, because you have Nathan Peterman who probably deserves that because he almost... But could it happen? Would a team want to do that? Almost unfortunately so. He got thrown into the fire all too often, and I know you and I have talked about it a lot, Matthew, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Michael. Like, what, why did they, I mean, I guess they kind of owed it to him to kind of give him this fresh start. I mean, what what was it from a fan's perspective where, where you saw from Peterman and how it all kind of devolved on him? Well, on the surface, it looks like they're just uh, putting their faith in a guy based on the fact that they like him too much as a person. But you just take a step back and look at the situation that they themselves put themselves into. Sure. Uh, well, they, they let it be an open competition in the preseason, and Nathan Peterman outperformed everybody in the preseason. But as we all know what the preseason means, and this was the most evident recent evidence of that now, uh, having only two quarterbacks, uh, when you finally put Josh Allen in there, he gets hurt. You have to emergency bring in another quarterback out the street. He gets hurt. I mean, just one circumstance piled on top of another for a guy that, for all intents and purposes, should have gotten only one at two max amount of chances slash starts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it was just a perfect storm for Nathan Peterman to see action in three or four games given the performances that he's had. That's an odd thing that happened, that he got so many chances. Like, that doesn't typically happen even to... You know, you could talk about Media many reasons. Right, you could talk about many reasons why it happens. You know, but for that to happen to that guy, a lot of strange things had to happen. And you're right; it's partly because they like him and they had a lot of faith in him heading into the off season, and that's what set them up in a weird spot. But you had to sit there after that first game, where his two games in the NFL. If you take out the Colts game, which was a snow, snowy mess and he got knocked out with injury, his two other games were the Chargers game, which was he became you know famous infamous. for, infamous for, and then the Ravens game where he was 
a disaster. So at that point is probably when they should have said, we might need a better emergency option. Mm -hmm. And then they didn't have one. Well, Mm -hmm. I think where I'd heard about Derek Anderson is what we're leading up to, is that they wanted him in the preseason, but uh, as I understand it, he wasn't just, they didn't just call him on vacation. He was intended on going on vacation with his family and was dead set on, you know, not altering his plans. So, you know, I'll come to your team after I'm done, you know, vacationing with my family. And that's why it may have taken them a few more weeks after week one to finally get him on the team. I guess they were so hell-bent on getting him, Which again, Derek Anderson, yeah, is on a team question of somebody else Why like are you Matt pigeonholing Barkley, yourself into Derek Anderson? Two Barkley was also hurt. Right. But so again, there weren't the only that. two backup quarterbacks on the face of the earth that you could have brought in that would have been upgrades over Peterman because I think at this point a lot of people would be an upgrade. I mean, correct Peterman. me if I'm wrong, Matt Moore is still available, right? He's out there somewhere. Right? He's worked with Dable before. He's worked in Carolina. I mean, if, if we're talking about Carolina, what are some other good names that are well, out there of people who worked with Dable? You could have you could have dialed up the Titans and seen what it would have taken to get Blaine Gabbert, we, oh. as we've discussed before. I mean, he wasn't available in so many words, but he is he was there. He was out there. Um, <laughs> He's just making up for it because Brett, he forgot it a couple. You could have called Brett ago. Ratliff. Brett Ratliff. He's just delivering some church sermons in Tennessee right now. He would have been a, a is viable he a former day bowl guy? He's a day bowl guy. Okay. Um, Jake DeLone is a day bowl guy. There we go. Oh, that's Colt a beaner McCoy guy, is a day, day bowl guy. Wow. Um, yes, he was. Man, there's a lot of them. Kellen Clemens is a day bowl guy. He's had some, Pat Devlin is a day bowl guy. What do you guy. think Colt McCoy is up to these days? He's in the league. He's on Washington right now. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That is true. But See, are now, you sure? Now I'm Matt positive. now Matt is saying that with some sort of like, oh well, how how dare you not know that? But we looked that up ourselves. Yeah. Like it was <laughs> a couple of weeks season, ago yeah. where well, because I was going through the all the Dayball quarterbacks for a story, and I thought, what's Colt McCoy up to? He must be out of the league. And I looked it up. Oh, damn, he's not going to talk. He's still in the league. Right. That's the secret. When you do these feature stories, you have to talk to guys. It's better to talk to guys who aren't in the league anymore. Right. Because they can be honest. Willing. Yeah. Now, can I just speak to one point on Peterman that I've been seeing on social media? Is that uh, a lot of fan, a few fans, and even some media personalities, Bill's beat reporters, have been sort of uh, name you know, names, Michael. <laughs> You're flinging. There's too many names to name. But You're flinging stuff. I'm not flinging. I'm just posing the question because certain people, not not certain people, people have been giving Nathan Peterman a very nice, you know, warm wish of a send off. And certain other fans have been pointing out, well, where was all this for other people that have been on the Bills for maybe a year or two and just got cut unceremoniously, sometimes at the middle of the season? Why is this, you know... Right, there was no Tanner Vallejo right, to your exactly. felt goodbye. <laughs> or, or maybe if someone, I didn't have the chance to go back, but was all this well wishes uh, applied to Tyrod Taylor when he got traded in the offseason? Or Ramon Humber, perhaps, was exactly. cut over the weekend. No, he was... <laughs> He's good enough for the Patriots. But I, but I would say to that is that, like we were talking about just now, is that he just got thrown into some very unfortunate circumstances. Yes. He, he kept getting thrown into the fire, and it's not his fault that he's bad. At, after the first two games, it's not his fault that he's bad. It's the coach's fault, the GM's fault for not prepping their quarterback situation to the point where they don't need to keep throwing him out there. So there's a little bit of a sympathy factor in that. It's not like sure. Matt Malau kept getting hurt and they kept having to throw Ramon Humber out there and Ramon Humber turned out to be, he wasn't, but it, let's say he turned out to be the worst linebacker in the history of linebackers. 
we would probably would be uh, feeling a little more for Ramon Humber under those circumstances. Well, the thing I with think Nathan it, Peterman, yeah. too, where I feel a certain, uh, where I think it's unfair, and I think it alludes to what you're getting at, Michael, is I think he's become the symbol for racism in the NFL, Whether you, whatever you think about it. Uh, if, there, if you think that there's a lot of racism in the NFL and that Colin Kaepernick hasn't gotten his fair shake, then Nathan Peterman is the lowest of the low because of all the interceptions and the fact that he will go down as one of the historically statist- statistically worst quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. Um, and so if he can find work, what's, you know, then EJ Manuel came out with his Instagram post that he deleted and, uh, you know, anybody who has ammunition now for Colin Kaepernick and that's not Nathan Peterman's fault. And I'll say where I have sympathy or empathy for uh, Nathan Peterman is in the fact that he didn't ask for any of this. Um, he's a fifth-round pick, making 500 grand. Uh, he didn't stop the Bills from. He, he didn't even rob the fans really of anything. He did, he wasn't like EJ Manuel in the sense that the Bills invested in him and they weren't going to look anywhere else, which is what they did with EJ. They didn't draft a quarterback the next year. They didn't do anything really in, in free. Well. They ended up getting Kyle Orton because they felt forced to. Uh, but with Nathan Peterman, fifth-round pick, they still drafted, traded up the draft Josh Allen. They still signed A.J. McCarron. Now, they should have done more. They probably should have gone harder after Josh McCown, or they should have you know, made sure to bring in a fourth quarterback into train, whatever. But I think that that's where I get my empathy for Nathan Peterman from, is that I think it's you – know, and that's the fact that he is – historically bad yes whereas you can't measure how historically bad Tanner Vallejo is or um, Sam uh, uh, who's the offensive lineman the big red-headed guy Sam, oh uh, Sam, Sam Young Sam Young oh yeah I mean you who's can't, still in the league Ed so, Wang yeah. for instance yes Ed Wang how can I mean so you don't but you see that and you watch him you watch the interception you see the interception coming and yep. you just feel like oh my god and especially like, this the poor guy game where at least a couple of interceptions basically seem to gravitate towards the defender as a couple of uh, infamous tweeters out there pointed out it seems like he almost draws interceptions even if he doesn't directly throw them to the other team so that's where a little bit of the sympathy factor picked up yeah i, th- I think Bad it breaks. also has to do with um, as you were kind of going around, the position he plays brings out the most emotions of any. Because we can sit here and talk about Tanner Vallejo working hard and, and being a nice guy in interviews and everything like that, but he's still not playing quarterback, which is what, why it, it really draws out either just this ridiculous amount of hate, like, get this guy out of here yesterday, or, right. or sympathy. Because you do see, if you cover the team, you see that a, he's a nice guy that stands in front of the media for a collective 25 minutes in the week before of his final start against the Bears, just fielding questions about his psyche time after time after time, and he's out on the field basically later than anybody else on the team. And so he works hard. You see why they like him, but it, and then wrap that into the quarterback situation, it's like, okay, well, Maybe that's why people are having sympathy, but I, th- I think the the biggest reason that people are having sympathy is because of what you said. It's because he does not control when he gets put in the lineup. If if they tell him, "Hey Nathan, you're going to start this week," he's going to be like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm going to start." It's no, he's going to say, "Please don't do that." <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's the same. He's just not well, going to do that. It's the same problem that we have with 
basically anything when you factor in social media or anything else. There's no nuance, yeah, right? You right, either right. you have to be in one camp or the other. If you feel bad for Nathan Peterman, then you must think he's a good quarterback that deserves to be employed over Colin Kaepernick. There's no nuance. We can't have you know mixed emotions about a guy or otherwise we're the enemy of the other camp and so i think that became a big problem on social media and people always want to you know come after people who feel bad for a guy and there's just that's just how it always goes on twitter unfortunately and nathan peterman was very bad he probably should have been cut weeks ago months ago but he's he's also just he's really just a byproduct of a bad situation that was created by management mm-hmm. and it could have been Nathan Peterman it could have been Jeff Toole if Jeff Toole was thrown out there Jeff Toole is just as nice of a guy but nobody cared when he got cut right because he didn't get thrown in there like that and so that's where I think a lot of it comes from people don't want to see the middle ground they want to pick a side and they want to they want to get their jokes off and 280 characters or less and if somebody's being a softy and feeling bad for a guy that's an easy joke I think it's probably best for Peterman to to get out of Buffalo completely because if I he mean, can find a job, yeah, I don't know that he can. Is it best for him to get out like, of football? At well, least temporarily, maybe not out of football because there are other leagues that he could go to if he really wanted to. Yeah. 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 If ever there was a fit for the XFL, Whaley's AAF is coming this year. The CFL is out there. I mean, there are multiple opportunities for for lesser quarterbacks have succeeded in the CFL. I mean, Drew Willie had a cup of coffee in the in the CFL. I do believe a former UB guy. Since we are in the 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 namesake right around the corner of UB, Drew. What's Johnny Manziel doing these days? I mean, he's on the Alouettes, right? Yeah, he's hanging out. And he's doing a backup. I'm curious. Is he? I think. But he's hanging out. That wasn't part of my pre-show research. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, there are there will be opportunities, I think, for him somewhere. But it's just good that he gets away from the fishbowl that is Buffalo, because here, unlike other bigger markets, if he goes somewhere, people are going to know who he is. And the problem though is, is a lot of places they might. Yeah, he became a name. He did become a name. More so than most quarterbacks who have a bad game. But you're because tell- he had a lot of bad games. You're he telling me they, if they bring, if, let's say Jacksonville brings him on the practice squad, you're telling me people in Jacksonville, are, Duval, are going to be like, huh, Peterman. Uh, I don't think so. I think fans in other markets now know who he is. Yeah, but do they the, know him by face? Not, it's not the, the same as Buffalo, obviously, but yeah. nationally you're going to get ridiculed, and enough of your fans are going to be like, oh, my God, we're bringing in. The Peterman. How about the Jaguars, though? Wouldn't the upcoming opponent maybe shouldn't they bring in Nathan Peterman? And they're, practice they're guy, actually even a team that might make sense for a week. Because a Belichickian move, would you say? Yeah. And then just pump him for info. A Maroney They're desperate move. for a win. And he probably has. I mean, he's such a nice guy that maybe he doesn't. But don't you think he probably has a little bit something in him where he wants to stick it to the Bills? Be like, you put me in all these situations. I'm better than you made me look. See, I don't know if he thinks like that. He probably doesn't because he's such a nice, ordinary guy. Or at least he comes comes across that way. Like, does he is he vindictive? Maybe. Does he blame the bills? Does he blame himself? Well, he could still. It could be a little of both. He could blame himself for getting to this point, but getting then getting cut. Like once you're cut by a team and not brought back to the practice squad, then he might be like, screw those guys. Yeah. He just got fired. Yeah, I should be working on. Maybe he should have been a practice squad quarterback to, to begin with, probably as a fifth round pick. Yeah, uh, and or 
but he did win the job. He did win the job in the summer, and that, I guess... Which is, I think, an interesting conversation in its own right. Like, how did he win the job? Because we all look at it, but none of us are such astute, you know, so close to the situation that we can say, like... Like, yeah, he had the best numbers in the preseason. He, was he performed command. the best in the practices. But I think that speaks to the problem with quarterback competitions in general. And, you know, I'm sure we all said it at some point, is if you have three quarterbacks, you don't have one. You'd rather not have a competition. Having a three-way competition, though, is a complete mess. And that's how you end up with having that guy win the job. And in retrospect, you look back and say, okay, yeah, he did perform better, but he beat out an injured A.J. McCarron and a rookie. rookie. Who they were hesitant to put in the the line. (laughs) And they were hesitant to put him in to begin with because, you know, they didn't want to rush him. And so, yeah, if A.J. McCarron doesn't get hurt, I don't know that he wins it. Is it fair to say that he had a decent preseason last year, if I recall. He did. Did, th- did that not contribute to them wanting to substitute him for Tyrod Taylor after Taylor right. had a couple sub and so maybe, Absolutely. And so maybe they're putting a little too much stock in, the, in what's happening in the preseason because... You know, guys, teams aren't game planning for you. They're not bringing. They're not bringing these pressures that Peterman was having such a hard time with during I mean, regular season games. No one should be putting too much stock in the preseason, but you figure after last year they should have at least right. known a little better than to see that what was in front of them in the preseason was fool's gold. They also sure. kind of had no choice in the matter because it didn't seem like Allen was ready enough. McCarron, I mean, we sit here and talk about, oh, maybe they should have kept McCarron and not traded him. The dude went like 5 of 27 in the first three quarters against the Bears, third stringers. So it's not like he's all that great shakes. Maybe it's maybe it's on uh, it's on Brandon Bean for not bringing in someone differently um, ahead of time or maybe having four quarterbacks like Tim alluded to. But th- there are specific reasons where their hand was kind of forced. Like Peterman, even though they weren't game planning for him, clearly – had the best preseason of the three, and that's really all they can go by at that point. Something I heard about A.J. McCarron that was passed along through, I forget who it was. I, I know I should source all my uh, quotes and whatnot. <laughs> I'm terrible at this. But, Holding uh, you to it. But uh, something about A.J. McCarron wanted to come in here, and he wanted to be the man. He had no interest in uh, mentoring Josh Allen. That he wasn't been, going to be the three. Yeah. At least he wanted to be a two. And so... That's where they came into a problem was now right. he's the three. Yep. And a week later, he would have been the two. Mm-hmm. And he, McCarron didn't know that. They didn't know that. And they had an offer with a fifth-round pick on the table. So in hindsight, you know, in a vacuum, it makes sense to go with things that way. But, yep. you know, when you look at it you know, now, you're, you're saying, man, you should have kept him around or you should have taken into account the fact that he was injured and and looked at it a little bit differently or when you trade him bring somebody else in right because there was nobody filling that that because even though McCarron was bad there was a bit of and even though he was a bit of an unknown there was some level of knowing what you were getting there a baseline of mediocrity sure. and they didn't really have that to fall back on they had a rookie who they didn't know what they would get and they had Peterman who they knew damn well what the floor was so not having that third option, having those two as your only two quarterbacks, not having a guy to mentor Josh Allen, all these things we've talked about, having a quarterback's coach who never coached a position before he got here, all these things were were missteps. Well, this is a good segue into what was the past and now into the future because now Josh Allen is conceivably going to be back, right? Um, against the Jaguars, or at least... We're doing it all, but pretty much naming the starter. Yeah, we're we're led to believe that that, uh, he will be back in time as long as he's healthy, which it seems like he will be. 
But there are some out there, and we touched on it briefly in the last podcast, that are of the belief that because Matt Barkley actually helped the offense to these the, these crazy little things they call the in the NFL points. The fact that they tutties. were able, tutties, if you will. That's one metric. <laughs> right. The fact that he was actually able to help them do those things, some are saying, well, why not start Barkley? Which I think is a ginormous mistake because this season isn't about getting along on offense with the, with the best possible results uh, at the, I guess, really allowing your rookie quarterback to stay on the sidelines to learn finger quotes? How is it going? What, what he's is been the, on the sidelines for the last few right. weeks. He's probably, he's probably learned as much as he can for now at least. What is, what is the, I guess, maximum output for keeping Allen along the sideline. It doesn't make sense, especially when they have made it abundantly clear that this entire thing is about him, this entire operation, this entire season. The reason why they're using terms like the build, oh, not the term rebuilding, but you know that it's going to take time, and you know no one said it was going to be easy. All of these different terms of phrase that both Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have used, what in any of those gives anyone any, any indication that you know what? Maybe Matt Barkley has a chance to start. It just it just doesn't make a lot of logical sense to me, to be honest. There's a lot of factors that have gone into this recently, and it deals with both uh, Josh Allen and Matt Barkley. For one, I don't know if you guys uh, noticed that. I think uh, something on Twitter. Again, here we go with uh, my sources hashtag. <laughs> uh, the Jets had mentioned that they had game plan for Josh Allen, expecting him to start. Yeah, Jamal Adams expect, said that, I believe. Didn't yeah. expect Matt Barkley to be the one playing. I have no idea how much that factors into it, but I'm going to say with the Jets' free fall and them planning for Allen, maybe what we saw from Matt Barkley was a one-game wonder. Uh, on the other hand, you have Josh Allen, whether you put him back in or not. Josh Allen was saying just before, uh, I believe, I believe this, this past week, when he was starting to get some uh, practice reps in, he, told, he said to the media, the game's starting to slow down for me. So how much is he itching to get back in there and... You know, apply everything that he's been able to learn, whatever he's learned from the sidelines, back into a game situation. And also, if you take a look at the schedule coming up, I mean, it's not exactly murderer's row coming yeah. up, except for the Patriots. A few bunnies. And the Patriots, of course, themselves looked pretty vulnerable against us on Monday Night Football. Uh, and now the Jaguars, I should say, even though they've been on free fall since the beginning of the season... Let me pull up the stats. I believe they have the number one ranked pass defense as far as passing yards per game, 200 yards a game. But then again, guess who's number two in passing yards per game defense? Uh, the Buffalo Bills with 202. So it's going to be a real bar burner uh, against Duval when we uh, come back in about a couple weeks. So, I mean, the fact that Matt Barkley's not your future, the fact that Josh Allen seems to be itching to get back in there and, you know, take another shot at it, the fact that you need to get Josh Allen his reps so you can get his rookie mistakes out of the way for the first year, as raw as he is, you know, the sophomore years when every quarterback that's halfway decent is going to come around. Mm -hmm. I think all that plays into us needing to put Josh Allen back in there. And not to mention, and you can speak to this uh, because you looked a little bit at the film this week, and I imagine you look at a little bit of the film every week. The yes. offensive line is starting to gel a little bit, especially well. with Teller in there, who's had some good moments and bad moments, and I was looking at them too. He, he would finish his blocks a lot. Once he got on a guy, he would drive right at them through the whole play, and there were some times where he got you know, Thrown off. Ju juked out of his shoes or <laughs> yeah. fell down, and his guy you know was able to make the play. 
But, uh, I mean, all this is telling me that uh, whether or not you like Josh Allen as the pick, he's got to be back in there. Yes, there, there's no doubt that he has to be back in there. And I think there's there's a part of Matt Barkley that, and, and you all can tell me if you think otherwise, there, there was a little bit of fool's gold there because when you brought up the offensive line, yes, they did play better this week, but they were also all levels, all world bad for a, for a month straight. And then with I have this, just one second. I have statistics in front of me. So the first four games, the offense have allowed six sacks, five, three, and seven. And then from then on, it was one, two, two, three, four. That was against Chicago, and then just one against the Jets. So in the past six games, they've allowed two or less sacks in four of those. Games. Yeah, but it's not about sacks. It's about pressures. It's about, I, I not was, even about pressures either. Yeah. It's about not holding your own in run blocking. It's it's about not uh, working in unison with with your uh, with your fellow offensive lineman and not working with him on stunts. And they have been doing terribly with that for a month straight up until this Jets game. But when you when you look at Barkley's game, you have all of these different. Um, these different plays that, that flash to mind. The, the throw over the middle to Zay Jones for the touchdown. The throw to Robert Foster, first first uh, play of the game. The throw to Robert Foster on that on that third down play later on in the game. It's easy but to forget there are at least a couple of passes he threw that, that could have been easily picked. That's where I was getting to. There was one particularly that uh, should have been picked off because he didn't spy the, the guy who was dropping back in his own coverage. There was another one that was very Peterman-esque where he was throwing it on an out route that he should have, if he saw or if he reacted quickly enough, the defender I'm talking about should have gone right in front of it. And then there was another one down the line where he should have been picked off again. So there are three separate in instances of where these plays that have often gone against Peterman. Yeah, I was going to say it's like anti-Peterman like right. had that day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the law of averages equaled out, but it was to the favor of Matt Barkley as opposed to Nathan Peterman. Yeah, he had some good luck. Um, some of those plays, the one where the guy was dropping back and got his hands on the ball, mm -hmm. that was a weird one. Um, he Joe, didn't even see him. Because Joe Licata and I looked at that one yesterday for a story that will come out tomorrow, and he mentioned that the depth of the routes from the receivers was strange, and also... That was the one where he faked to Isaiah McKenzie, right, you're talking about? Yep. And he said there was also nothing in the play that was holding that corner there down into the flat, which would open up that window. And so he's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to blame Barkley. I don't know if I'm supposed to blame Dable for designing a bad play because you can only ask the quarterback to do so much. Or I don't know if I'm supposed to blame the receiver for not getting the proper depth on his route. But you could go back to some of Peterman's picks and do the same thing, and they were caught by the other team. So there was some good luck involved. I think the only argument you can make if you really think they should keep Barkley in there is you think there's an outside shot that he's good. So you're telling me there's a chance. Right. You're thinking maybe this – and I think the only reason people even have a remote belief that that could be the case is because he went to USC and because people talked about him as a potential top draft pick. And so there's this element of, well, maybe something just went wrong. By people, do you mean Buddy Nix? Well, yeah, there's a lot of them out there. There's, you know, a lot of people that think, hey, this guy was talked about like a number one pick, so it's in there somewhere, or and it maybe be, it's now coming out. It could be just as simple as fans saying, you know what, that game was fun, and I didn't Let's feel like I wasted my time, and everything else has just felt so painful that they just want to be able to enjoy their Sunday afternoon, and the record maybe is secondary, the draft status is a bit secondary. There are a lot of casual fans that just don't want to be 
embarrassed on Sunday. Well, and want to just the... be able to just all right, just let me enjoy the game for three hours as opposed to shutting it off after 15, 20 minutes. There's also the fear from some people that Josh Allen is not ready. And so putting him in there, now there's a guy that can keep him on the bench. There's a guy that played passable, competent quarterback, which they haven't had all season. And so Josh Allen can now stay on the bench. But, I mean, think about the optics of that. Like, you want to talk about really not having a plan like we've talked about? You go into the season, you start Peterman which sends the message that Josh Allen's not ready and we want him to start on the bench. Then, after two quarters, you throw that plan out the window. (laughs) You bring in Derek Anderson midseason, start him a week and a half later. You bring in Matt Barkley and have to start him a week and a half later. And then instead of putting Josh Allen back in when he's healthy, you say, actually, you guys are right. He's not ready. We're going to keep him on the bench, but we're eventually going to put him back in, and you guys just got to trust us. You can't he's do the that. guy. You can't do I that. I mean, he's either the guy or he's not, and so right. you better find out sooner or later. you got to evaluate him, and the only way to do that is when he's on the field. Does that speak to either them having a plan to not start Allen right away, knowing how raw he is, or does that speak to them, as we said, misevaluating how good Peterman was based on the preseason performance? Probably a little of both. Yeah, yeah I think they were a little bit gun-shy about putting Josh Allen in because there was a case to be made that he made a strong enough you know case to win the job but I think there was some misevaluation that Peterman had won it and was and was ready and so you kind of get caught in a in a weird spot where two quarters in you're like we've made a big mistake and now we got to put Josh Allen in because the other guy we traded away and we didn't bring in anybody anybody else and really quickly to Tim's point that he brought up that how people were having fun and that they didn't feel like they wasted their Sunday. I wonder if it's that or if it's they came in with such lowered expectations because Matt Barkley was coming in on six practices, basically only three because the first three on his first week he was probably swimming. And they were probably like, oh, well, this is going to be a nightmare. I mean, Matt Barkley is going to come in there, he's going to do the same thing as Derek Anderson and Nathan Peterman, and then when he didn't, they're like, whoa. I didn't expect this. And whenever you don't expect something, it always feels a little bit better, right? Sure. It's like like Mullen with San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing, too, is that you you see these games on prime time. Uh, That's a uh, nationally televised game, so Bills fans are watching uh, when he debuted against Oakland a couple of Mondays ago. And you see that, and you wonder, here's a guy who wasn't drafted out of Peterman's class doing this to an NFL defense. Why can't we have that? Now, why can't we at least walk into something? You know, Mullen wasn't supposed to do anything. So now all of a sudden Barkley kind of gets in that Mullen role, and you're like, well, geez, look, it can, it, it, there is some code, and it's, it's a validation that maybe our coaches aren't incompetent. Maybe we can figure these things out. And it's, uh, it's, it's just a, it's a way to say that not all is lost, like something. Like a bit of a coping mechanism like even? Like found money, yes. Yes. Like well, and it, it says something, too, when 232 yards and two touchdowns is treated like, you know, one of those days right. where you feel like you've been validated. And, mm-hmm. you know, like Dan Fowler. Like it's, you, it's a typical Tyrod Taylor right. day. Like you've Last seen year a Hall we would have seen we right. better than that, and this year it's like, thank you. Right, 232 yards and two touchdowns. You could argue that it was really like three because Zay Jones fumbled and whatnot. But, yeah, 232 and two touchdowns on, what, 15 completions is treated like it was a game changer, like people saw the savior before their very eyes. Mm -hmm. Well, Matt, you mentioned uh, fans are thinking, well, maybe this guy could be good. I think there's another, you know, maybe a fringe fan base out there that thinks, looking at the schedule, well, 
the Patriots probably is going to be lost, but everybody else is pretty beatable now. See if we can play like that, like we played against the Jets. Could we make the P word? Eight and I eight. Mean, <laughs> they be in the hunt? In the in this the, in the mean, conference, the way they're it is right now, they're technically not eliminated. They're two games away from the sixth spot, technically. Is but then, so a lot of game, a lot of teams are. I don't think so. Maybe no, the Raiders. No one is right now. Nobody's eliminated. Not even John. Not Gruden. even. Not even the Browns. I don't think. Yeah, there's too many games left. The Browns have a better record than the Bills. The Raiders are one With and eight. With the tie. Hmm. Yeah, they do. Three, five, and one. That's right. Man. No, Everybody's in the hunt. Yeah. We're in the hunt here at Elmo's. How are we doing for time here? Oh, we just roll. It's fine, man. Um, we've been recording for about 40 minutes now. Look at that. Friendship. I know this Fun. might not be official, but I want to throw out a few awards out there. I know I probably can't get in the brackets because, you know, I'm just the play-in guy. So I say they should be in. Uh, so let's see. Uh, let's give out some awards here. At least my awards from uh, the post game uh, uh, from you Sunday. You pay, you pay yeah, you do it. So the Dre Archer Award, I think, should have gone to Kelvin Benjamin. Well, who did you give it, it to? For the game, or is this for the first half of the season? The I was gonna say you might as well give it to him for the entire season, but yeah. you need more entries. I mean, that there was that one ball, the the batted ball in the air, that. Uh, I looked at the film, I looked at the All-22, and his momentum sort of was carrying him toward the sidelines, and he kind of stopped in his tracks. But at least for another second, he just looked at the ball as it fell, fell in two jets at least. It looked kind, like it was about five yards away, though. Yeah, sure. Work. It looked kind of bad from the sideline angle. It looked a little more understandable from the end zone angle. But still, I mean, it's like that. Uh, you ever been in, in high school uh, gym when you're playing volleyball, <laughs> and that ball goes right between the two people in the back, and they just stare at it as it falls, and it's like, I thought you had it. I thought you had it. And I th initially, that's what it looked like Kelvin Benjamin was doing out there. But still, regardless of whether or not he should have given an effort on that play, I mean, you just you're the, supposedly the number one wide receiver, and you have zero catches on at least a couple of targets they gave him. But yeah, he also had a big drop. Oh, he's having big, big drops every week. He's got 20 catches in 10 weeks. He's not the number one wide receiver on this Zay team. Jones it's is very much Zay Jones, mm -hmm. and. He's the one that they're scheming plays for. He's the one that's most targeted, and he's well, the one who's catching the most passes. And he's number, out there the most. Number one receiver is a position more than it is your top receiver. You know, it's like a role. It's like QB1. You know, your number one receiver is supposed to be your your go up and get it guy. And, I mean, when he doesn't do it, he doesn't. He's not a number one receiper. But when you're only out there sixty-three percent of the time, that that begs to quit. That brings into question whether or not you're actually that. that you're not role. fielding a number right. one number receiver. number one? The X or the Y? And well, you know. I think it generally it's a role. And there are probably, even though there are 32 teams in the league, there are probably only 14 number one receivers in the entire league. Guys who deserve that title. Yeah, I agree. Now every team thinks that they have their guy who is supposed to fill that role, but Benjamin, Benjamin's supposed to be that. He clearly is. Well, while we're on the subject of Kelvin Benjamin, before I go on with other awards, uh, you know, it's been mentioned, I believe Sal Capaccio first pointed this out, 
that uh, the, the main reason they might want to be keeping him is for the compensatory pick once he enters free agency. There's no shot but then, but then, of course, as you're probably about to say, yeah. we've got so much capital and we're probably going to sign so many free agents more than we lose them that that's probably not going to be a factor. Yeah. So I'm wondering with that option potentially, you know, null and void, why is it that we're continuing to keep a guy who seemingly gives less effort than usual? When Sean McDermott made this a point in the preseason, we saw on those you know uh, videos on Facebook, he wants effort out of his players or you're gone. I'm not sure it's really an effort thing anymore. And we brought this up on the pod a bunch of times. I think he might be shot. And, I mean, he's had a lot of injuries over his career. And he's a big guy, supposed to be moving at a really, really fast pace. And injuries to his knees. I mean, what is it, two ACLs? Two ACLs. He had that other knee flare-up last year uh, at, during the L.A. game when they were they targeted him like the first three plays, I think it was. I just don't know. I don't the see the matter is they like him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. it's kind of as simple as that. At the moment, they still like him, and they think he's a good kid. Not when really a kid anymore. He's kind of a man. Probably and, longer than he needs to be. Yeah, and, and, and they, also, they also traded a third-round pick for him. Hmm. And there could be some element of who do you replace him with? You know, maybe Zay Jones is playing this well because some defenses are deluded into thinking they need to pay a little extra attention to him. And, you know, maybe that is worth it enough in its own because who who are you putting over there? The reason they didn't trade him because you weren't getting anything for him. And then it's who are you putting over there if, if not him? Well, how about my uh, personal Matt Barkley award, which would be Robert Foster? <laughs> Fair I enough. mean, he just came in for one game, only caught three passes, but, I mean, first 100-yard receiver in however many games or even years. Since the Deontay Bulls, Thompson, newly who acquired. Who just walked, waltz back in and said, hey, I want my 100-yard game back, too. Yeah. Uh, let's see. How about the uh, Avante Davis Award? Hang on, really quickly. Who did okay. we give the Dree Archer Award to? Uh, I think it was Terrell Pryor. Yeah. Because yeah, he right. also caught zero passes. And then he got cut. Yeah. So. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So how about Avante Davis Award to someone you might not expect? I gave it to actually, Deion Dawkins, so yeah. we really wouldn't expect it. How about a guy who actually had a good game, at least for the first half, LaShawn McCoy? Okay. Uh, over 100 yards for the game, but I believe most of those were in the first half because I looked at his second I half. between I looked, 80 and 90 came on that. Yeah, I've looked at play-by-play play in the second half. He had net yards, 15 net yards on 11 carries in the second half. He had a, a six-yard gain at one point, but he also lost four yards here, or a yard here, a yard there. So he was kind of quiet, relatively speaking, in the second half compared to the first. I think that's great research. Vontae hmm. uh, Davis Award going to LaShawn after having his best day, after his first hunting. Yeah, I know. That's I know. how you hold the powerful accountable. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I do believe there's only one award left for you, then. Uh, come on, Darlene. Yeah. It was in the uh, first quarter. Easy, Tim. It was in it was in the first quarter. I believe I don't know his name on the Jets number thirty three, and I remember the play. It was a combination of two calls that I thought should have gone the Bills' way. But looking back at it, there was an initial flag thrown for uh, pass interference, but uh, turned out the Jets defender was looking back at the ball. Is that Jamal Adams thirty three. Yeah, I feel like he is. And yeah. Jamal Adams went in on Matt Barkley, and basically, you know, the rule this year about landing on a quarterback and people, it's the new what's what is a catch. You're trying to figure out what they're trying to look at. Yeah, he and drove what, him into the turf. Yeah, what, what's the defender supposed to do? But 
after a few many after so many games I look at that play I look at it on film and I say he's clearly taking a few extra steps and landing with his full weight on the quarterback yeah but he's and, small so he can do that, but right? but still I mean refs come on darling you're gonna call oh, one okay. you're gonna call one penalty like that you should call every one of them like that. It was clear as day that he was driving him into the ground and landing on him. No, uh, no personal beefs for come on, Darlene. Uh, no personal beefs. Oh, okay, that's fine. That's I fair. I feel like refs have lightened up on the roughing the passer rule in general. Yeah. After the first month Feels of the like season. They have. But the NFL came out and, and said now... that they weren't going to make any alterations mid-season to the rules. So well, it's kind of weird. Well, yeah, after Clay NFL, Matthews but... kind of complained, it's been ah. kind of down. I don't know. It's it's been all uh, the NFL season has been a little weird this year, right? I mean, it's just a bunch of teams that uh, there are good teams that, that are 500, right? You know, we're ten the weeks into Super the Bowl season. Champs are, they're four or five in the tower. Yeah, yeah. I, I was talking to an to an Eagles fan the other day, and and they were like, "Yeah, we stink this year." I'm like, "You're four and five. I mean, there's still." Seven more games to go in the season. You could easily go ten and six, nine and seven. You could qualify for the playoffs, and then you're into it. But uh, it's like the Eagles are like that. The Cowboys are somehow ahead of the Eagles now, at five and four after sending away a first round pick for Murray Cooper. In the AFC, I mean Lamar Jackson is playing. What up? Or supposedly, he's he's supposed to because Joe Flacco didn't practice today. Um, what do you think we'll see there? Fun. For the we'll first time a in a long, Maybe. for the first time in a long time with that Baltimore offense, because it has been so stagnant for so long because of Flacco. Well, let's just, see what let's see what they let him do though. True, they got Marty Morningwood. So, so a he's whole pretty lot. creative. Yeah, they got Greg Roman who had Kaepernick. Marty Morningwood had Vic once upon a time. So they're not. And Greg Roman. They're no, was, they're no Rick Dennison. Which, by the way, Rick Dennison was brought up as a potential replacement should Todd Bowles be fired. Oh, in the middle of the season. <laughs> Wait, who brought that up? Uh, Tell me it was Manish. It might have been Manish. <laughs> it was somebody who was reporting on the fact that Todd Bowles could be fired. It was like the only candidates are him and somebody else. Uh, I couldn't remember who, but well, he's like a special assistant who... to the head coach. No. We were we were talking to Manish ahead of the game. He, whenever whenever we go to New York, he always makes it a point to come over and, and chat with. Fairburn, me, and Rodak, because we're usually right in a row. And, and I'm just like, hey, what if uh, Barkley throws for 300 and blows out the Jets? He's like, not going to happen. Come on. Come on. This is just, this is just even an app. Come on. And then, then like, 10 minutes in, he's like, oh, God. Shows how much Manish knows, am I right? <laughs> well, I mean, we all kind of Some pick. sources on that guy. We all picked the uh, the Bills to get beat in that game, or at least I well, did. Well, we all picked the game to be just a clunk. Yes. I picked it to be a Bills blowout. You can go back and Listen. Yeah, I, I will. I will go back and listen and point out to the fact that we both thought the Jets would not only win but cover. Speaking of that, I want to ask you because you had your uh, all twenty-two grades on uh, WKBW.com. Yes, I did. And surprisingly to me, I mean, I haven't gone back and looked at as much film as you have, obviously, because you gave your highest grade to Shaq Lawson. Second straight week. Second straight week. So yes. What are you seeing out of him? Has he progressed a lot since yes. the beginning of the season? He has become an actual solid pass rusher, which he was not at all in his sophomore season and even in the limited snaps that he did in his uh, in his original rookie season. I mean, what I've seen from him is 
a little playing with a little bit more confidence. He plays the run incredibly well. Like he is a he is a monster against the run, and he knows how to read plays really well. And then from that point forward, he was putting some heat on the quarterback. And when's the I mean when can you? point to a time at all last year when he did that and he's doing it consistently every single week and this is a, this was a big year for him and a really big three-week stretch because Trent Murphy has been down with the injury so he's gotten the starters reps and he has just been on fire to the point in which I think the Bills owe it to themselves to have a conversation about who should be getting the starters reps and who should be getting the rotational reps because if you look based on the sample size of how 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 much or how well each guy have, has played in those starter reps, Shaq Lawson has been the better player. And I don't know that it's really been that close. What have you seen from, from Shaq, Matthew? I think Shaq has, has definitely been a bit better than he was last year. Now that he's healthy, now that he's focused. I mean, he, the guy's been through a lot. Uh, you know, his best friend died before, you know, a couple days before the Titans game, and he found a way to get down there and come back, play the game. He, he definitely was, um, the message was sent when Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean made a point to send a message to him publicly about needing more from him and everything else. He heard that loud and clear. The question I guess I have is, can he continue that when right. the message isn't being sent? When, you know, let's say you give him a contract or whatever, is he going to be a guy that, you know, you don't get that same edge from. I'm not sure. I, he's a bit of a wild card. Um, he's the a, loudest he's player in the locker room without a doubt. He's yeah. He's an interesting, interesting guy. Yeah. But he's become a nice depth piece for them that they probably weren't expecting to need quite as much as they needed him because Trent Murphy's been pretty much non-existent because of injuries. Yeah, I I just don't know. I mean, next year he's obviously going to have the motivation because. That would be his true contract year. Unless they extend him his fifth-year option, which I believe that deadline will be coming up in what? They now have a somewhat interesting decision to make there. I don't yeah. know that he's quite worth that, but... What would it be, around 11 for him? 11, 12? Yeah, it would be fairly significant as a defensive yeah. end. Right. Um, being mid-first-round pick. But I think the bigger issue is, hey, maybe now... You know, he was the one guy left over that everybody was talking about, like, hey, when are they going to trade this guy? Right. But at the time, he had no value. Right. Maybe now he has value because of what he's put on tape. And maybe a, a change of scenery, a different scheme, whatever it may be, would unlock even more potential. Maybe you do get a third-round pick for him or a fourth-round pick, and maybe that's worth it. But if you're the Bills at this point, would you do it? Because your defense has been playing that well, or are you just so confident in yourselves to find these pieces the way that they have? Say, all right, we'll we'll take a we'll take a third for Shaq Lawson. Sure, we'll we'll take that value back, and we'll find somebody else. A third for Shaq Lawson, I think you take because yeah, you're probably right. I think you I know, do you, that as well. You invested money in Trent Murphy, and that's not to say you can find another Shaq Lawson in the third round, but that's a good enough pick for a guy that it's a starter. You're probably not bringing back, right? If you don't pick up that option, right? You're not bringing him back, and so. But that's what that's a, a Belichick move where you trade a guy in the last year of his contract just to get the value and, and then you move on. I mean Chandler Jones, all these other examples where you look at the value and say, Man, they traded Chandler Jones for for that and but it ends up being worth it because you weren't bringing him back. You have to figure out which guys you're not gonna be able to bring back and get something for them. But do they 
exercise the fifth-year option with the thinking that that would make it more enticing for an opposite team because they have him under control to a monetary cost. I feel uh, that's risky if you're not committed to bringing him back at that price tag yourself. But I'm thinking back to the Sammy Watkins thing where, where Sean McDermott absolutely, as you termed it, ham-fisted himself. Um, he did. Because he ham-fisted he, himself. Because he was unable to... No kid. <laughs> he, w- he he did not want to bring him back on that fifth-year option, and that was before Bean got to town, and I think Bean probably would have done things differently with Sammy Watkins. So is is does that have to factor in the equation of what Bean probably would have done in that situation, or are they just totally different I think players? it's different because he hasn't shown as much as Sammy Watkins showed early in his career, and so you're not feeling quite as inclined to... And Sammy Watkins was a guy who wanted to hit free agency and was able to. But, yeah, I think Shaq Lawson's a little bit of a different case because he's a bit more of an unknown. And then you have to be pretty confident that that increases his trade value, which I'm not entirely sure it does if you can get him at a... There might be teams saying, I'd rather get him and negotiate something that I can control rather than having that fifth-year option cap hit on my books. I do, like, but the Kelvin Benjamin thing, when the Bills traded for I'm just trying to think of it from all different perspectives. When they traded for Kelvin, part of the allure to them was that they would yeah, have him under years. control this yeah. year. So, <clears throat> who knows? Uh, when you said, uh, Matt, about you trade him for a third-rounder, I would. But not so much because I trust Trent Murphy, but because... This whole offseason, at least in my mind, in a lot of fans' minds, obviously, has to be about ramping up on offense, free agency and the draft. And a lot of people like to point out, well, we have so many draft picks. Well, where are those draft picks? We have 10 draft picks. We have all of our, ours in the one to seven rounds. Where are the extra ones? The extra ones are in the fourth, fifth, and seventh round. So if you trade a Shaq Lawson for a third round, that's a potential starter, another starter, out of four starting caliber guys you estimate in the first three rounds. And um, I just want to put more talent on the offensive side rather than yeah. The even if you're side. swapping Shaq Lawson for a good guard that you can find in the third round, it doesn't even have to be about Trent Murphy at that point. You could just say we're sacrificing depth at defensive end to get better on offense, and I think that's a a trade off pretty much anybody would make at this point. And you have to trust yourself to maybe find a, a Micah Hyde or a Jordan Poyer on the defensive line in free agency. Right. Yeah. And. We all know they have enough cap room, that's for sure. $90 million, I believe. Yeah, it's, and it's probably going to end up being more because of the amount of people they're going to end up cutting, like Vlad Dukas, who's going to free up another two mil because he just, got, he just got Yeah, poor Vlad. Nice guy. Really nice guy. I'm going to start the Vlad Dukas pity campaign. Well, yeah. The Peterman pity campaign. Well, I'll just take over. I have nobody to root for anymore. I, I already <laughs> threw in my yeah, lot with, uh, with Peterman. He's gone now, and so I'm going to, yeah, maybe I'll just adopt, adopt a, a bill. Vlad Dukas. Charles Clay. Dukas. We should all feel bad for Charles Clay. I, yeah. It's hard to feel bad for a guy who made that kind of money. That's true. Offer sheet money. Yeah, he got he got pretty rich. He will get paid. Doug Whaley made him paid, rich. Yeah. How confident are we that uh, we can get the receivers that they're going to want to be able to target? Not at all. Yeah, not because let me, let me look this up because I have this hits right in front of me. Free What's the question? To get the receivers what? Like the free, the free agent free, receivers. We're gonna, gonna receivers we're going to want to I think that's a good part, part of the reason why the Bills kept LaShawn McCoy. You need to have some pieces on the roster that help you recruit. And have, and I think what that's it comes point. down to is, yeah. hey, you can come and block for a future Hall of Famer, whether you believe LaShawn McCoy is one or not. That's what the Bills are going to say. Right. Uh, I thought you were talking about and Josh play with, well, <laughs> And play with a first-round quarterback with a rocket arm. So uh, it, that's that's what you go with. And you hope that LaShawn McCoy helps you recruit, too. 
Well, putting it, talking putting to his guy. Josh Allen plus they get to block back the Patrick the DeMarco as well. Let's not forget. True. Block alongside Patrick You hope Josh Allen can show some flashes William Wyatt Teller. of <laughs> talent when he gets back on the field because you've got some competition quarterback-wise in the top of the salary cap uh, space here. you got the Colts with Andrew Luck, an established quarterback. you got the Jets with their own young gun, Sam Darnold's good or bad as he's been. you got the Cleveland Browns up there, and May- Baker Mayfield, I, I believe, has been by far and away the best quarterback out of his class. And in that same range, you also have the Texans with Deshaun Watson and the Cardinals with uh, Josh Rosen. So as far as, you know, you want to come play with this quarterback, at least six or seven other teams in the top of the uh, salary cap space rankings can say the exact same thing. And that's a problem they have. That's a problem they had last offseason when they tried to get receivers. And guys looked and said, the Peterman? Like, that's all you got? <laughs> and A.J. McCarron signed a little bit later, and still guys were like, A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman, or do with, I go play with somebody else? Which is why this brings us all the way back, full circle here, because it's why it's so important for Josh Allen to play in these final six games, because if he shows a little bit of a spark, a little bit of something, that is going to be very attractive to potential wide receivers, a tight end, offensive linemen that they might want to recruit onto their roster, because... If, if they just they go into it and say, well, you started Matt Barkley over him for the final seven games. I mean, how good can he be? So you have to, you absolutely have to not only, A, do that, make him a more attractive piece for potential free agents, but you have to also figure out what you need to work on with him in the offseason, how to attack everything and, and from a mechanical standpoint, from a film-watching standpoint, from, from everything. Uh, processing, which is, I think, his biggest hurdle right now. So there are so many different avenues you have to go down, and the only way to get there in all of them is for Josh Allen to play, which is why it makes little to no sense for anyone out there to say, hey, Matt Barkley, you got to start him. Yep, I think that's accurate. And let's not forget, and you're going to need Josh Allen to help overcome this too, is the year-to-year issue you have, regardless of how good the bills are, the reputation that Western New York has as a market. Mm -hmm. And to get guys to want to sign to play with the Buffalo Bills and they think the city's bleak and it's Loserville and it's, you know, Rust Belt, Mistake on the Lake. I know that's Cleveland's uh, nickname more than it is Buffalo's, but there's this reputation out there and guys have it. And, uh, you have to overpay a little bit when, you, uh, when you're the Buffalo Bills. Yep. And if you can at least show you have the flashy quarterback, hopefully he shows why the Bills drafted him where they did, and then that does make your recruiting a lot easier when you can say we have a future star quarterback, or at least that you could look at it and see the future Signs star, whether, life, he, right? whether he actually does become a star or not. But you can at least be able to look and say, wow, this guy makes highlight real plays. Uh, yeah, he maybe throws as many interceptions as touchdowns right now, but I can see it. I can envision it. Right yep. now we can't envision it. Well, I'll be interested to see if because this is the first offseason where we'll actually get to see Brandon Bean spend some money yes, true. and invest in his, his guys, quote-unquote. Will he be willing to overspend? Because it's not part of his general philosophy to do that because they're, they've mentioned before, you know, free agency, you don't get to mold the guys. You're taking a chance on guys who you don't really know who they are and you're bringing them into your room and hoping that they're your type of guys. Look at who they invested money in. Trent Murphy, who has like a famed work ethic you know he's obviously got his injury problems but 
everybody talks about the way this guy works and how he's, you know, obsessed with it. Starlo Tulele, they, they saw him firsthand. Uh, you know, these are guys that Brandon Bean's thrown money at. Throwing money at guys only gets you so far. If you throw a ton of money at a guy and, you know, everybody else sees that he's not worth it, that could be a problem for your room. Whereas, especially if you're throwing money at a guy who doesn't work. If you're throwing right. money at a guy who's not going to live up to the contract. Yeah, and whereas, that's a major no-no for him. And it doesn't seem like it's part of who he is. But heading into year three, does he start feeling the heat? Is he starting to feel a little desperate? Is he starting to... You know, does he start to get that itch to make his quarterback look good? I mean, this, this is why, in many ways, this is a defining offseason for Brandon Bean. Obviously, last year was big with him pick, picking his quarterback, right. but this year is just as big with, okay, you tore down the roster, you got all your picks, you've got all this cap room, go do something with it. Anybody can come into a room and swing a hammer and break a bunch of stuff. Not as many people can put it back together and make it look nice. Well, where do you want to see him spend the money, Michael? Uh, start with wide receiver and offensive line. But, uh, I mean, the other th- half of the equation is not so much who they're going to overpay, but who they're going to decide to want to overpay. Because, if, if I recall, Odell, Be- Odell Buckham got a five-year uh, extension uh, just before the start of the season. But let's say, hypothetically, he wanted to go to free agency. Now, let's say, hypothetically, he wanted to come here. Would they have been willing to sit down at the table with him? Would that be a guy that... Even if Odell Beckham, let's say even further, wanted to take a discount to come here because he likes Josh Allen that, that that much for whatever reason. Well, they have gone to bat for LaShawn McCoy, which probably gives me reason to believe that they're okay with a little bit of out there characteristics but, as long as they work hard. Oh, I think that's to your point, thing. Odell is kind of a me 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 guy. You well, know, so is he's, LaShawn. He's, he's developed that reputation as this look at me figure. But did which, they think that same way about uh, Sammy Watkins as one right. of the reasons why they moved on from him? Which is Besides odd, right, which is odd because Sammy is such a different guy than Odell Beckham. They're really not, you know, Odell has been painted in a much worse light in that respect. But it's a good point that you bring up of, are they going to be hesitant to go after maybe the flashiest or the best guys because they do have some some black marks? Des Bryant was just sitting out there this whole season, and of course the entire league let him sit out there this whole season. I mean, He also signed for the vet men. Right. I don't think he would. He probably would not have come to Buffalo, but it's it's a fair point of if some of these guys that have some some questionable things in their background pop up. Yeah, it's weird. Are they going to be willing to take a chance? There's two X factors here. It's who does Brandon Bean want to bring to Buffalo? Who's a Buffalo guy in his opinion, and who would want to come to Buffalo if Josh Allen, whether or not he is or isn't good? And also, who does he know he can trust with that type of money? Which is another part of this. Which is why we keep bringing up the name Devin Funches because he knows him. He helped draft him. He looked deep into him. He's a free agent. I wonder. I wonder if that might be. The, the guy that they target in, in the offseason. All right, well, there's only six weeks to go before that offseason begins, but, hey, by the way, there are six games left, and we are in the bye week, and th- this, this has been fun. Michael, yes. what's up? Uh, before we close out here, I just want to give a few shout-outs. Uh, <laughs> Look at this guy. <laughs> so, shout-out first to the guys over at uh, Trainwreck Sports, who, uh, I don't know if I can mention another establishment. Too late, you already did. Uh, Poppy Grandes. They usually have, uh, for uh, UB away games, they head on over there and have a good time with uh, 
I imagine that's where most of the uh, awakening crowd is. Is Matt Weiser still bartending over at Poppy Grande's? I'm not sure. I know. That's, that's I know the last. He was the last time I was there, but that was before his most recent call up. But as we're recording this, uh, UB is down, I believe, 24/7. I no, think they just got 30. scored on 30, 31, 31 to seven. Oh my goodness. So I feel so. I uh, told actually they uh, messaged me and said, "Hey, you're gonna come down for the game?" And I said, "No, I have other arrangements this evening." And I mentioned that I was. You're cheating on them. <laughs> But they know it, so it's not. So oh, I'm being honest about so it. So it's an open marriage, right? Mm. <laughs> so I just want. So they if said that's they were how gonna, you get down. Bring they him said over here for some three-way action. That. <laughs> hey, by the way, just since you we're, mentioned, we're you earning be, our explicit uh, rating right now. I'm giving you. I, I'm I'm interrupting your flow on the sure, shoutouts, go but good Buffalo news. Good news for Buffalo is that John Beeline at Michigan mm. is up thirty. On Villanova Whoa. in the second half. Wow. Wow. UB's got a stomping. Getting handed. Well, that's why I wanted to balance it. I mean, if you're listening and you haven't seen the scores, you get depressed when Michael brings you the UB score. Well, Buffalo's own, or Western New York's own, John Beeline is getting from, it done on hoops. I believe from Bath. Is it Bath? The town is called Bath, yes. I know where well, that that's is. in just more outside of Lockport. Is it? No, it's like. It's more of a. I it's thought like it was, over in Batavia, isn't it? Yeah, I thought it was more of a central New York. Hang on. There's no, also Batavia a new bat. Batavia is not central. It's it goes a, on the case. It's I a, think it's all it's the way. It's a four-letter place where he's from. It's right next to Lockport. Go on. So anyway, uh, I'll, 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 I'll the train wreck guys say they were going to check it out, so shout out to those guys. Woo, woo! <laughs> Uh, right also, of course, Bert. It was Burt. Not Bath. It was Burt. Bath, Bath is near Syracuse. Yeah. Or even east of that, perhaps. Also, shout out to the guys in the Pinto Tailgate, because uh, as I'm sure you all saw at one point or another, Ken Johnson attended his 400th consecutive Bills game, both home and away, that he's Not been bad. going to since 1994. I mean, he, That's pretty good. He's a remote uh, computer analyst, computer analyzer. I was going to say, he's got to have a heck of a oh, yeah. to do all that. He, he, he's on the road a lot, and he can work from the road, which contributes a lot to his ability to do it. Sure. Uh, of course, a shout-out to Ezra Castro, uh, Pancho Biela, who's going through his, uh, as he terms it, Plan C chemo. He's still hopeful. And uh, so, Pancho Power, we're all pulling for you, man. And uh, one more shout-out, uh, more of a somber uh, acknowledgement of uh, Matthew Fairburn's colleague at uh, the Athletic Buffalo, uh, Lindsay D'Arcangelo, who uh, covers the Buttes, and I believe she's covering the uh, UB basketball game right now, mm -hmm. uh, recently lost her mother. And uh, she actually wrote about it on her personal blog. Very nice. I had the opportunity to meet her for the first time at the uh, Buffalo Potathon about uh, last week. So uh, yeah, she's great. Uh, thoughts and prayers to uh, beautiful Lindsay and her sentiment, family. Michael. Yes, I'm sure she appreciates that. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for for sharing those thoughts. I and uh, and yeah, thank you for doing what you did and and bidding on us the way that you did. Um, like we're, pieces of meat that yeah. we are. <laughs> we're, we're really just a couple of guys who sit around a microphone and, and just, yeah, just tell me you're going to put a microphone in front of me and I'll bid on it. <laughs> just, just, just chat. I mean, it's. Uh, it's, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's been a lot of fun, though, because you've, you've brought up a lot of good points to the table. We really appreciated your input. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think I could speak for all of us. It's been, it's been, it's been a really good episode.
episode, and I, I, I feel, uh, I feel damn proud to be a part of this episode with how it's helping out charity. It's, it's doing all, putting all these nice sentiments out there. So, so yeah, thank you. It was for, my pleasure. Uh, yeah, it was my pleasure to ride the uh, J Bus bus. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Partham is his handle on Twitter. Um, so. That'll do it for us. We're not going to record one over the weekend, you savages. We're not. We're not going to do one on a bye week. So, how dare you? I'm going to enjoy my Sunday, Matthew. I assume you're. I'm going to considering do the same. enjoying my Sunday, but <laughs> haven't decided yet. Sources haven't told you whether or not you will. Tim, thank you for jumping in. I'm uh, looking up bath. <laughs> How to take a bath, or it is uh, uh, yeah, it's Finger Lakes. Yeah. Okay, so that was way off. Bert, Bert is in Lockport. Bath is out by the. I read about Lakes. Bath in a novel um, that I'm trying to remember the name of. Probably Stephen King. Everybody's Fool. Ooh. Sully recommended it. It's a Richard Russo novel. Maybe Nobody's Fool. Everybody's Fool. There's two of them. Both great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so read it. It was Bath or New Bath, some town like that. And so I looked it up once upon a time. You're not going to slip these things by me. Yeah, certainly not. I've got family roots in central New York. Somewhere. Right. Albany. Well, I thought I saw it on a map recently, a weather map. That's how I learned my New York geography. There you go. I'm not a native, so mm-hmm. I watch. Patrick Hammer teaches you where Patrick is. Hammer, Haley Went, um... Aaron Mentkowski. Yeah. I, I, did I hit all the stations? Oh, Andy Park. I got a two, a four, and a seven right there. Um, no offer. <laughs> I don't know the weather. I don't know that. John uh, Scott. <laughs> well, does he does he do both? No, I just is it a combo? Andy Young. I mean, those are the only <laughs> those are the Spectrum people I know. Well, whatever the case, I think Joe's is cutting us off. I'm I'm. We've we've been going for almost an hour fifteen here. Um, What's the record? Probably this. Yes. <laughs> no, it was the Podmock. The Podmock oh, went well over two hours. We also had to record it twice. Yeah, we did. Yeah. It's Joe's fault. It was the computer's fault. It's I, Joe's computer. He needs to take some responsibility. The computer's Which, not by the way, that thing. computer, um, this is a new one, mind you. That computer, the motherboard, was apparently fried. I had gotten it. It was a faulty like, motherboard. Like a, a year and a half prior, which is fairly um, out of the ordinary for the brand that I usually get. So it, it's weird. But anyway. You got one bad mother. I did. <laughs> one bad mother indeed. Shut your mouth. So, Tim, thank you. Thank, thanks, everybody, for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for, again to Michael for your contribution to Make-A-Wish. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to contribute in a very entertaining way. Matthew, thank you for extending the Blaine Gabbert streak. Hey, that's what I'm here for. I think it's all I'm here for, quite frankly. <laughs> and stacks. No stack talk, but although we did talk about Nick Mullins a little bit. All right, so uh, that's going to do it for us. Once again, thanks to everyone. Thank you. A special thank you to Michael for, for making this all happen. And, uh, and, yeah, we will next talk to you on Thursday, no, Wednesday of next week, um, because, you know, Thursday of next week is Thanksgiving. So we'll talk to you Wednesday of next week when uh, the Bills are preparing to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. So, for Michael Partham, at Michael Partham, for Tim Graham, at by Tim Graham, for Matthew Fairburn, at Matthew Fairburn, I am Joe Biscaglia. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next week. Enjoy the bye week, everyone. See you.